0: are we doing, Revolution? Oh, come on, give it up more for Caleb. It's wonderful to have you back, man. <laughs> um, how are we all doing? Um, my name is Corey. I'm one of the deacons here. Um, kind of went over this a little last week, but same still applies this week. Um, we have deacons here for you guys. Um, if you guys have any kind of needs or anything, um, David's great, and but if everybody just goes straight to david with their problems then he'll be overwhelmed and we'll lose him within within a year or two he'll just be overwhelmed and burn out and everything so we've got a number of deacons that um we're here to help you know spread spread around everything so that we can function well and we can we can meet your guys' needs more efficiently so if you have any kind of spiritual needs any kind of needs or know anyone that needs has any needs come see me come see anyone on the stage come i mean you can go see david or any of the other deacons that come up here, um, we're here for you guys and want to be able to help, help you and um, help uh, spread the gospel. Um, there are a number of things starting in January. I don't have a whole lot going on right now, but um, there's going to be a bunch of small groups that are going to be announced soon. I really encourage you guys to get plugged into a small group at some time. Um, that's where the meat of your growth is. and I'm, I know from personal experience, being with a small group, For years, you develop some really wonderful friendships that will last the rest of my life. Um, We've also got, um, coming up every third Friday in the month, we're going to have a Gamer Night slash Community Night. So if you guys are nerds or partial nerds or dorks or geeks or whatever, I am all of that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I'll be over that. Um, We're going to have... Game systems from, you know, the regular Nintendo up to the current systems. We're going to have board games that you've never heard of. I might even have some that you might have heard of. Um, cards, anything like that. Um, it's just going to be a night to get together and enjoy each other's fellowship, eat some, eat some greasy cheap food, and just enjoy being with each other. Um, there's also a What We Believe class uh, going to be started by Dustin Cooley. Do we have a time for that yet? Nope. All right. We'll get back to you with the time for that, but he will be um, walking us through just the basics of Christianity. um, You know what we believe, the basics. um, See Dustin for more information. And as for opportunities to serve, um, we've got always need uh, volunteers for Rev Kids. I'm in fact going to be down there tonight, and I would love for more people to be there to so that um, you know it doesn't get too hard on the people that are down there. Um, See Autumn if you have any kind of desire to help with the kids, or if not, just still see Autumn and volunteer. (laughs) Um, We always have the Fuel the Revolution box back there by the um, coffee if you guys feel inclined to give financially, and um, tonight is Ryan's last night here, and if you guys haven't had the chance to go talk to Ryan, um, go tell him how much it means what he's done for this church. He's been here through the thick and the thin. He's been... He has been the backbone of our church for a very long time. And Ryan, thank you so much for all that you've done for this church. I know it's not been hard, and I know there's been times you've probably wanted to leave, and probably many times you wanted to punch me, but <laughs> Mostly David, okay, good. But thank you for, for being faithful to the Lord. And go tell Ryan what he's meant to you, and just continue to pray for Ryan as he goes out. So let's uh, pray, and then um, I think Ryan will be up first, right? Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather another time to give you worship and thanks. Um, please be with our church as we continue to grow. Please be with Ryan as he continues to serve you uh, wherever you've called him to serve. And in all things, let us do it for your name and for your glory.
1: Is that a hand to turn the mic on? Awesome. Wait, how's this work? What's up, Revolution? Yeah. I feel like a pro wrestler, honestly, Dave, when we do that. Like, I feel like the rock. Um, I'm Ryan, and I'm an elder here for the next two hours, so... Um, yeah, you got it. It's a lot of music tonight, I'm sorry. This is going to be a long one. Um, so, yeah, you can, all you got to do is threaten to quit, and then quit, and Dave will let you speak. So... Um, <laughs> Ha, ah, we got jokes. uh no, so i am uh, we're going to talk about the the reasons uh that Rev started, so I figured this would probably be uh the last time coming from the horse's mouth um or other parts depending on who you talk to uh about how it works. so uh I wanted to give you guys before I left kind of a rundown. so there's some of us, a few uh who have who've been here. Endured the whole way, Um, and I didn't want to call people out because I'm going to miss somebody. But I know Katie and Corey, Jimbo. You've been here the whole way, not the whole way. Not the whole way. You've just been here long enough to make me think you've been in the whole way. Okay. Uh, When we had Revolution, I had hair when it started. Believe it or not. Uh, So that was that was fun times. No, we started. uh, It was about 2007. Um, April, May. There was this, uh, this this group of dudes. One of them's here tonight, Justin. One of the the OGs, the original gangsters that helped start this thing. So uh, there was a group of guys um, who noticed a, a bunch of things about the kind of the current state of the church in Soda County. But uh, one of the things that we noticed was there's, there was two groups of people um, that really seemed to be left out. Uh, and those were the college students um, and kind of the the poor, disenfranchised addicts. They were all kind of lumped together, um, namely here in the East End uh, of Portsmouth. And and so, you know, it kind of was impressed upon them to, uh, to do something about it. Which, I mean, if you logically think about how you even go about starting a church, like the task is tremendous of all the things you have to do uh and why i would even get started uh really a work of god so they they started that so i wasn't really in on the beginning beginning uh they kind of got the ball rolling as far as the planning stages and then got i think about a month in and then realized we don't know anything about how to do sound we don't know anything about what we should even buy who buys a lot of gear that we know uh, and then my name obviously popped into their minds. So the only reason I think I was an elder in the beginning was because I knew how to plug speakers in. Um, that was my qualification. Yeah, yeah, the male and female, they go in each other. That's how that works for speakers. It wasn't it was hard, uh, but that was the qualifications. for uh, uh, No, so we started, you know, and in the beginning, to, truth be told, I wasn't even an elder. Um, this is like story time with your uncle, like you said, too much eggnog. <laughs> Okay, I felt weird for a minute. Uh, so in the beginning, I wasn't even an elder. So I was just uh, the dude that was going to spend like $25,000 and and help with music. So that was cool. And then the, kind of the closer uh, things got, like June, July uh, to launch, the more. Uh, I don't know if I just butted my way in or what. But at some point, it was just like, whatever, dude, you're an elder. Uh, and There was no like special like hazing, I thought personally now that i was bringing people afterwards like i thought we should do a hazing like a fraternity or a football team or something but um i thought that would have been fun to make dave like cold peanut butter jelly sandwiches in both hands and listen to greek chants for like 14 hours in the dark uh i thought that would have been a lot of fun for me um but we, there was none of that so it was just kind of happened it was, a, it was a matter of function um and so uh we decided hey we're going to launch this church. We started it when when school was going to start, so uh, it was August the 31st. I don't know why I remember that. Uh, I had equipment, like, in uh, the church that helped us plant in Christ's community in their little chapel, trying to get, like, all the bugs worked out. I mean, and I'm talking, like, there were cables everywhere. It looked like the Indiana Jones snake pit. I mean, like, there was just stuff everywhere, and we made a bunch of people upset because that was fun. Scott McGraw, who was helping us at the time, who was currently fighting mma threatened to hurt somebody at the church that was a, that was a, even saved for like two days uh it was great and that's not a lie that is justin back me up that's the truth uh I, we should write a book like adventures in church Plenty. but yeah like there was a legit moment where like a naval officer and an mma fighter almost fought in a church parking lot that's <laughs> legit uh it was i don't know I, I could have been cool i should have stopped it uh just let it happen um god's sovereignty uh so Anyway, we so we get past all that, and we get to our launch date, and right before uh, we decide to to launch, we're going to have an event, and they're going to have uh, some Christian, like, I don't know if they were hard rock, I don't even, well, they were probably some sort of core that you young people have, but I don't know which one it would be, so pick your genre of core that these bands were, and that's what they were, um, that's right, I got my jab in, uh, and... For those of you that don't even know what I'm talking about, just, just keep on going with it. You don't want to delve into that mess of crap core, metal core, screamo, whatever core uh, of music. So um, we, we decided to start off with this bright idea of a slogan that says, Revolution, church that doesn't suck, uh, which is a good way of really just ticking off all the other local churches. Now, you've heard us say this. And you've heard us say, well, probably you're thinking that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You really wouldn't have done that, uh, but tonight I got proof. So I, I just wanted you to know. So just hang on, David. This is not Magic Mike Double XL, so don't get too excited. See what I? Because if that was another movie, God forbid, it would be Double XL. But I also am a XXL. XL. So you see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. You, Hit me with some music, Chris. No, I'm just kidding. So, as you see, it says, I was kidding. Please don't. That's, you keep the tip, baby. Uh, as you can see, so this is a big shirt. That was actually the... I'm really not dancing. You can turn that off. Um, that it, we, did we, we wore these uh, to another church's event. Oh, let that sink in for a minute. We wore these. To another church's event, uh, and then uh, almost got asked to leave. Somehow, we, I don't know how we didn't, technically. We, did, we were asked to take down our banner that had this, but with big red and white Ziggy lines that stood out, like really bright red, that said, church, it doesn't suck, in a banner about four by six, uh, with cards that said, church, it doesn't suck, and then on the other side said, come join the revolution. Uh, but they did let us walk around. Um, And we legitimately thought these were a good idea, just so you know. Uh, It wasn't like a joke. It wasn't like, oh, that's kind of funny. It was like, no, for real, like our church isn't going to suck. Right or wrong. Amen, see? Uh, And to top that all off, when someone asked us, what what do you think that says about this? Here was, this is like the epitome of arrogance, right? So, uh, well, if you're offended, then your church must suck. Yeah, yeah. So, needless to say, that that was uh, there was some humbling that had to happen. So, uh, God chose several forms to do that. One was a giant elephant turd on the middle of the floor uh, where we held service in the gym. We walked in one Sunday. They had a circus. Elephants poop a lot, and huge, huge, like four foot round big piles of dung was sitting right in the floor, like right when we go in to have church, and it was like, what are we going to do? uh so we we rolled it up in the mat it was on and let portsmouth high school take care of us that's that they they should have cleaned it up before we got there uh anyway so we had that that we dealt with now who remembers the old portsmouth gym anybody in here old school all right here's what you don't know justin knows this when you turn the lights off in that gym there is a shower that always runs and it just drips, like the freakiest thing. And then when it's windy, they had these old metal louvers on the side. And it would go, <laughs> like that, like really loud. It would scare me and Matt to death when we'd lock up. Like we'd have to take turns. We wouldn't lock up by ourselves either. And we're like grown men. But like every time we walked back, because the lights were on one side. And then the other lights were like on the other So you had to like walk through the whole gym in the dark. And it was freaky. And then like we would always yell like freaky stuff at each other. Um, And, like, he always envisioned Carrie, when he went back to turn the lights off in the locker room. And then we kept our kids. Like, the Rev kids was back in that locker room with the weirdo shower. That was all creepy. Um, I wonder why the kids program didn't take off in the beginning. Um, Who knows? Uh, So those are some of the things, the fun times with Ryan that happened along the way. But I do want to get into why uh, the main reason Rev started. So we're going to look at Matthew 28. Sixteen, And if you've been here for any amount of time, this is going to be real familiar to you. All right. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that was kind of the main fuel um, to really, truly to really start revolution. This idea uh, that, that we're to go out and make disciples of all people. And the cold heart truth is this. We found out real quick why no one ministered to college students and no one ministered to drug addicts. Because you can't support a church with college students and drug addicts. They ain't got no money. And... and and that was probably one of the most disappointing truths that I learned is that um, at times uh churches can seem more business like than church like uh and and it sucked i mean there's there's many days that uh Justin and Matt and I were just, just ticked off of, like you know we, we couldn't get help, things were costing money, we didn't know what to do um and you know so you, you got people that have nothing. I mean, they come from nothing. Have, don't even have a full time job. And you got a church full of them. So uh, it was who we wanted to reach. And we quickly found out why no one else cared to reach those folks. Uh, and it was pretty sobering. Um, you know, one of the other the big cornerstones uh, for us is Matthew 25. Um, it's kind of long. Bear with me. we um, are go to Matthew twenty five fourteen. If you have um, these. Blue Bibles has kind of always been our thing. Uh, if you got a Bible you can't understand uh, or, or you don't really read uh, because you can't understand it, take this as our gift to you. Uh, feel free to read it. Um, please, please take it. You're not stealing. If you think you're stealing and that would be cooler, don't take it. You don't steal it. Then steal it. Um, 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Um, I'm mean 31. I'm sorry. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom. Prepare for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, cursed ones. You into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And then they will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous will go on into eternal life. That's something we could never ignore. I mean, that when there's all the things that we were thinking of what we could and couldn't do with starting a church and how cool uh, we could do or, you know, how much pizzazz and bling or could we ever do something to attract people with money. Um, to be honest with you, Matthew 25 always kind of came and, and hit us in the mouth and said, "It's not... What this is about? Um, we had a vision. We were here for a purpose, uh, and that purpose were those people, these people. And, and you know, I don't, I don't think we have any regrets about that. I, mean, I don't think that uh, there's plenty of things that I regret about ministry. I mean, there's a lot of stupid things we did, um, but staying true to that, staying true to the idea that that you're literally feeding Jesus Christ. Uh, when you go and walk the streets and cook a dude pancakes or uh you know all the other things close someone um help with free market donate stuff whatever it is we're doing um it puts a new spin on things i think i mean there's times believe me there are times that it's um unbelievably frustrating um at times you know people aren't the easiest to get along with um Believe it or not, college students, sometimes you're not the easiest ones to get along with. You have all these dreams of how you think things should be or all these ideas like you've done something and you haven't. uh, And then, like, the old man has to say, like, dude, you ain't done nothing. Shut up. Uh, That's usually me. Um, You know, there's times that's frustrating. Sure. Um, But if we bear in mind that, hey, you know, that's not this person or that person that we're serving. Uh, we're, we're not doing this uh, for a response. I'm not doing this for a pat on the back. I'm doing this because it's required by Scripture. I'm doing this because I love Jesus. Um, you know, he, He's given everything for me. Uh, is it really that difficult, you know, on me to do this? So that was always the reason. I mean, we always served not because of the response we would get, but because of what has already been done. Um, and that's always been the reason. That we've went out. You know. It, it gets too frustrating. And it gets too manipulating. When you serve. Seeking a response. When you serve. Uh, ex, you know. Expecting. Well if. If ten people don't. Don't come to Christ. Then this wasn't worth it. That's not what this text says. This text says. That Jesus was hungry. And we fed him. There is no stipulations. Of what happens after that. It is a command period. Straight up. There's no other way to put it. That's how we roll. It's, it's the way it is. Um. And so, as the as the ghost of Christmas passed, uh, I just want to encourage you guys. As Dave shares the vision with you here in a minute, don't look lightly on these commands. Uh, don't look lightly at going out and making disciples. Um, don't be distracted by all these other things. In, in the beginning, Rev was simple. Uh, we wanted to go out and make disciples. How Dustin and I were just talking about however way that was. Uh, if we keep hold and true and close handed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything else is always up for a debate. We've done crazy, stupid, insane things um, in the name of preaching the gospel um, and changing the method. Don't ever, don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose the simplicity of a gospel. Um, at the end of the day, there is enough in the gospel to sustain us, period. There is, an, You can continue to ponder on just the gospel for the rest of your life and still would not even reach the depths of understanding of what that is. It is that deep, and it invades and infects every part of your life. It should. If it doesn't, it should. It should change the lens at which you look at things, the way you look at people, the way you look at work, the way you look at school, the way you look at family. It should change your lens for everything that you do. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess as as part of the my parting message, if there is such a thing, um, you know, don't don't stray too far. You know, as Rev Two happens from from who you were or who you are. Um, you know, it's always been a different breed of folk at Rev. Uh, it's always been a little bit. Rebellious, uh, maybe opinionated, maybe folks who like to debate. um, And that is who you are. And you're not going to change that. Um, But be grace filled. When you decide to delve in the arena of Facebook like an idiot, and I tell you not to all the time, be grace filled. Don't be an idiot. Um, You know, when when you see someone out on the street, um, or, or you have a debate, or you're talking with someone, wherever. Just be grace-filled. Uh, there's all too many times that, that I don't know that we're gracious enough, and, and myself included, uh, especially early, early on. Um, you know, one one of the things that ended up happening at Rev, I guess, is um, I kind of took on, you know, all the music and this, that, and the other, uh, and then kind of just different things happened and left me kind of, I guess, as the uh, the original guy, the original stopgap between where we were and where we're going. And, and, you know, me telling Dave I was going to resign, that, wasn't, that certainly wasn't a shock to him. Um, we've always known. I mean, there's a timeline. The minute that, uh, like, I went from thinking, like, the young stuff was cool, then the young stuff was tolerable, then that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would someone do that? That's when I knew, like, it's getting time. I'm becoming, I'm becoming your dad instead of, like, I was your brother, then you're kind of cooler, older uncle. And then I'm just like, that's so stupid. Why would you do that? Which makes me your dad. Uh, No offense, Dad, he's here. Um, So, uh, you know, but I want you guys to understand. So I went from music, um, you know, the, the biggest part and the biggest thing I'll take away from is mentoring a bunch of young dudes. I was uh, extremely blessed growing up. So I had uh, a great, godly father. And I realized at some time through, to be honest with you, I realized that with Matt, not everybody had that growing up. Not everybody knows uh, how to be a godly man. Not everyone had that. That example every day. I could show you how to love a woman, how to discipline kids, um, you know, and, and how to have respect as a leader and not be a tyrant. And I, I was lucky. Um, and early on, I realized that there's a lot of dudes that didn't have that. And somehow it morphed into, um, you know, just a select group of guys. I was never good at, like, Matt was great at having 10, 12 dudes. Um, and and they always felt like they were tight. I'm horrible at that, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I run, I don't know, i got a group of five, six, seven guys at different times that, that I feel like I can invest in and, and invest fairly in. Um, and it just became clear to me. But there's guys that, you know, need a, basically an older brother to mentor, um, to show them the way, to show them the things that seem natural to me because it was taught to me since the day I was born. Um, It it just, you know, uh, there's times where you don't even think about what it is. You read scripture and you say, yeah, I've seen that modeled here and you know what to do with it. Um, And that's the part I think has been the hardest for me. Uh, I end up like a 13-year-old schoolgirl when these guys leave, um, you know. And it, it's uh, the part I'll cherish the most because I think that's the, uh, the. it's not even a friendship. It's almost beyond that. But it's uh, it's just something that you'll have. Like I feel like that, uh, you know, with these guys, I mean, I've had uh, probably the first guy I was close to that, I mean, just from a ministry standpoint just crushed me, broke my heart uh, the day, you know, he left. Yeah. I mean, I had not seen the guy in two years. Uh, knocks on my door, comes sits on my couch and starts bawling and crying, telling me everything that's wrong, um, you know, and then he already knows what I'm going to answer with. Um, but those are the things that I think for me personally that, uh, that not only will I, I miss those interactions, um, but I'll miss um, just as, as an exciting way to get involved. Um, and in touch with people. And for those of you that know me at all, I have at times been, um, I don't want to say it's true, so what word can I use, accused of being somewhat of a control freak at times. Uh, I don't see it, but other people do. Um, uh, But I I know, you know, Dave probably doesn't see it this way today. Um, But for me, I mean, Handing the keys to something that you've you've labored. I mean, it's like a kid. I mean, I've at times spent more times doing rev stuff than I have with my own kids, my own wife, to be honest. Um, don't amen that, honey. Um, so, you know, for, for me to hand that over and, and be at peace about it, I mean, that's how highly I think of you, David. I mean, there's a, the things I was doing at, at 22, 23, um, and what you have. Uh, it's a completely different plane. So as much as we bash heads uh, lovingly, um, yeah, I would I would lock the doors before I would have rev two point to someone that I didn't think got the vision. and wouldn't carry it through. So guys, that was my revolution. Let's hear what Dave had.
2: Well then, that's sad, right? Anyone else? I get like a little tad bit choked up. See, like it's so somber in the room now that like I got nowhere to start. Like this is terrible. Um, Now Ryan's leaving, obviously, Um, and we're gonna we're gonna miss Ryan a ton. I'm I'm gonna miss him a lot. Um, He's like my big brother. like I, I didn't, I didn't really have a dad growing up, and I never really got to see like what like godly child rearing looks like, and uh, you know how like a godly man treats his wife, and, and like you said, um, like leads without being a tyrant. And I appreciate Ryan a lot. Um, he, he's been someone there for me that I can go to that uh, that has gut checked me multiple times, and uh, has dealt with me uh, cussing him a blue streak. And still love me. Uh, so I mean, I, I love you. I love you a lot, dude. Um the Give Ryan a round of applause. Seriously, just like he, he did a ton of stuff. Seriously. Absolutely. Yeah, Ryan did a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, he had jokes for me. The median age of revolutions getting ready to go down significant, uh, significant numbers. So, anyway, so Ryan's leaving us, um, and I'm gonna try to keep this uh, as short as I can. But you all know I talk way too much. Um, our mission's still the same. Um, even though Ryan's leaving, our, our goal is still to be a Matthew 25 church that we would serve and love the least of these among us in our community. That we would love one another. That we would be just a godly, biblical church. And, and things might change a little bit for how we do things, um, but we're still all about that concept. Uh, We want to be the most biblical, Bible-driven, Holy Spirit-driven church that we could possibly be. Um, Now, Ryan didn't get into this too much, but um, Worship, Grow, Serve. Worship, Grow, Serve has been a a huge motto revolution Um, The idea that we come together to worship, and as we worship together, um, we would grow together, right? That we would study the scriptures together in small groups, and we would grow individually and as a church. And then the outpouring of that kind of growth would be to serve. And that is a good, godly approach to building a church. Um, And I'm grateful for that, and we're not really delving too far away from that. Um, But as I think of what I want Rev to be, and what I envision Rev to be, I can only think of one word. And that's grow. Um, Out of of all the three in our motto, grow. Um, And like I said, the founding ideas of revolution are great. And we've done a pretty okay job with those things, especially in the last few years. Uh, Worship, grow, serve. But we must grow in them. Um, And what I mean by that is growth should never cease. Ever. Christians can never become complacent with where we're at in, in any facet. Uh, of our faith at all. We must always strive for more. We, we can never be content. And I want us to grow. Um, so, like, as I'm kind of trying to vision cast here for the next little while and preach at the same time, this is going to be fun. Um, let's let's anchor this idea, why I say grow, in Scripture. Um, and there's always one piece of Scripture that always comes to my mind whenever I think of spiritual growth, both as individuals and as a church. And uh, and, and this might seem kind of strange to you guys, but it's Romans twelve two. Um, so I'm going to read that to you real quick. Paul writes, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Um, maybe you guys who are a tad more old school and not a fan of the NLT translation have heard, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, that's what this text is, is telling us. Um, so if we're going to grow, right, that's, a, that's a super open-ended vision uh, for a church. Right? Um, so we're going to get a little bit specific on that. Um, and I think there are four ways that we need to grow together, um, at least the I Envision revolution. And the first one being, uh, we, need, we need to grow in our commitment to the Bible. Um, we need to grow in godliness. We need to grow in love for people. And we need to grow in number. Um, And and we'll hit all of those um, here in just a second. But here's the thing. If we're committed to growing in in those four ways, I am convinced that's the biblical model for church. And I think that we're going to see transformation in our lives and in our church and in the areas around us that we're going to try to affect. Um, But the first thing that I said we need to grow in, I I want us to grow in in our commitment to the scriptures. Um, I want us to become radically committed to what the Bible says. Right? And here's why this kind of goes with that Romans. And everything hinges on this first thing that we have to grow in. Um, if we're going to be transformed in our minds, right? be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then only the mind of God can do that. Right? And where do we see the mind of God? We see the mind of God in Scripture, like, like literally His words. Right? Every piece of scripture is God-breathed and given to us so that we can learn and see what's wrong with us. See what we're doing right. See what we need to be working on. Um, and if we're going to be transformed, we have to know the Bible. Um, actually, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that we ought to crave spiritual nourishment like babies. Right? Because we have tasted of God's kindness. I mean, what do you mean we've tasted of God's kindness? What I mean by that is if you're a believer, you have tasted of God's kindness. Right? Like forevermore, if you believe the gospel that Christ has taken your punishment in your place and that He was raised from the dead on the third day, proving that the wrath of God has been satisfied over you because Christ has taken it, if you believe that, you've tasted His kindness. There's no wrath for you at all. He's displayed His love for you in that while you were a sinner, He sent Jesus to die for you. He predestined you from before the foundations of the world were laid. He chose you. He brought you to Himself. He loves you unconditionally. You've tasted of His kindness if you're a Christian. This should like wet our appetite and just give us this insatiable hunger to know more about God. And how do we receive spiritual nourishment? The Bible, right? Scripture. Jesus Himself said man can't live uh, by bread alone, but we we live by the words that come from God. So we should hunger. We should have a good godly hunger to know more of this God who has shown us such kindness in the Gospel. But, But here's the thing. Uh, the biblical vision isn't that we would just know the Bible. Because <laughs> we've done pretty good at that, I'm not going to lie. like We've done pretty good as a whole church um, in knowing the Bible. Uh, but we don't need to just grow in knowledge, or head knowledge is what we'll call it a lot of times here at Rev. We don't need to just grow in head knowledge. Um, I think the biblical vision of, of our commitment to God's Word is, is that we would take seriously what we read in the Bible. Like that we would really, really dwell on it and that it would, it would do something to us. That as we get to know who God is and we get to know what He expects of us and how our lives should be transformed, that it would do something in us. And in the words of Matt Chandler, that it would give us this holy discontentment with our lives. That we would get this holy discontentment with ourselves and the world around us. And what I mean by that is as we know who God is more because we're taking His Word seriously, that we would begin to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And it would truly, truly deep down affect us because we're so committed to His Word. All right, that seriousness over Scripture, of not just knowing it in our head, like, yeah, I can rattle off some chapters, or yeah, I can rattle off some theological concepts because I read a lot and I study a lot. But like, no, like, I am convicted and shaken by what I read in the Bible. If, if that seriousness comes over us, we will grow. We, we will grow. That, that is heart change, that you actually want to agree with God on, on what He says in His Word. And that kind of heart change will lead us to life change. But we must first be so captivated by the Bible that it consumes us or we're never going to experience growth. We have to be a biblical people. I think it's the first way that we have to grow. We have to have a radical commitment to the Scripture. Um, and, and as we begin to have our thinking changed uh, by the Bible, right? we begin to be transformed because like, we're, we're craving Scripture. Um, then... This is going to happen. You're going you're gonna to begin to notice holes in your life. Uh, anyone else ever afraid to open the Bible? Because uh, every time I do, I'm like, I am a piece of junk. And go ahead, Lord, show me what else is wrong with me today. Like, that's how I feel every time that I crack open the Bible. Like, I'm just ready to get my teeth broken in. Um, and that's what happens whenever you take the Bible seriously. Um, you're going to begin to see in your life um, and in the life of your church that you're going to. Because I know a lot of you guys here, um, we're here to see Ryan off, and I know that you don't go here. Um, so take this and apply this to your church. Um, you're going to see where you and the people around you are not being faithful to the Bible. Um, in the first bit of Romans 12.2 that we read, says, Don't be conformed to the ways of this world. Don't be like this world. Um, I, I want those instances of inconsistency to bother us. Right? I, I, want it, I, want it, I want it to strike us at our hearts because we take, again, so seriously what the Bible says. And I want that to push us in our growth in godliness. Right? That's the second area that we have to grow in. Right? We had the whole worship, grow, serve thing we talked about in the beginning. Worship equals um, like showing God what He's worth and showing people around us what God is worth to us. That He is the supremely, like, He's like the chief thing in our lives and we desire Him more than anything else. Which you could also say is loving God. Right? Showing Him that He is the end-all, be-all of your life. That is loving God. And Jesus says you know, two great commandments, love God, love your neighbor. Love God is the first one that He says. Um and I think one of the biggest ways uh that we show our love for God is by imitating him. Um, you know, kinda like the whole son and father thing, like my dad. Um my dad Mark back there, he is a uh, he's a little Debbie's man, which explains why there's a lot of obesity in my family. Um he himself is thin though and I've never understood how that works. Um I don't get it, and he eats them all the time. Anyway, uh, and and I I think Stiltner's cool, and I used to, I I actually had, my plan was to take his business from him one day so that he could retire, and then uh, mom ended up needing me at the store that she runs, and our family's blessed with a lot of stuff like that. Um, I'm still a little bit bitter, because I probably could have made more money with Mark, but that's not what we're about. Um, Mom... Keep the raises coming. Uh, but that's not, here what, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, but I wanted to be like Mark. I wanted to do the job that my dad did because he's a good dude. And I, and I want to be like him because I love him. Um, so we, if we love God, if he's shown us this kindness and we've experienced this kindness and we're craving the spiritual nourishment, we're being transformed, we should want to imitate God. And here's the thing. Here. To imitate God is to first realize that he is holy. What do I mean by holy? That's like a church word that we throw around a lot. There is no sin in God whatsoever. None. If it's in His presence, He must damn it. He hates sin. None at all in Him. None around Him ever. Dwelling on that kind of holiness, like the holiness of God, should drop the bottom out of our hearts. All right, this will all come full circle talking about Godliness. God is holy. That means He hates sin with a holy hatred. He's righteous. And if we're going to worship Him and love Him, we must imitate our Father. We must imitate our Father. So what I envision for this aspect of growth for revolution as a people is that we would begin to truly hate our sin To genuinely hate it. I think that that too often, at least this is what I've noticed being here for for almost five years, um, I think that we have a a no big deal approach to our sin as a whole congregation. I'm just being straight with you. Um, We have like a, uh, it's not that big of a deal. Um, Think about the disrespect to our God with that kind of thinking. Think about that for a second, that we would take like a, "Eh, it's all right kind of thing, attitude towards the things that Jesus Christ suffered God's wrath for in our place. We should not have that kind of an attitude. It should not be that way. Um, Sometimes I I think that because we preach grace so hard, and listen, don't misunderstand me. We will always do that at Revolution. That is the gospel is of grace. Um, But sometimes I think that we have preached grace so hard that we have neglected holiness. Um, and again we we will never ever ever do away with proclaiming and believing that salvation is about Jesus' work and not ours but we cannot ignore God's command to those who trust in Jesus to live differently we cannot ignore that for the sake of of grace because faith without works is a false faith and a life unchanged is a faithless lie of a life We, we can't forget that um, so, I want to pose a couple of questions to you guys just in this vision, kind of trying to get the ball rolling uh, for those of you who come to Rev, or just I hope you take this home with you. A um, couple of questions. How often, because we know our sin has been atoned for, do we excuse away our disobedience to God? It should destroy us that Jesus had to pay for our disobedience. But how often do we just shrug it off? That's been atoned for. Didn't want Jesus to die for nothing. Ask yourself that question. Or, or, or this. How honest, or how often, when we're honest with ourselves, can we say that our entertainment or our hobbies or our free time or our speech or whatever it might be is actually different from that of people who don't know Christ? Right, um, and, and for those of you who have been here for a while, I don't have any lists for you. Uh, I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not telling you can't listen to that devil metal music because uh, I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the world. Um, but let the Holy Spirit, like I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit convict you on the specifics. But ask yourself that question: How often does your life really not look that much different from an unbeliever? Um, we have to grow in godliness. We have to grow in, in holiness if we're going to be effective as God's people. Um, but here's the thing: imitating God isn't just stopping certain things. Um, it's it's double sided. To love God is to love people. Again, the two great commands: love God, love your neighbor. The second command is just as weighty as the first. Um, And we've done pretty well uh, with this towards our community, but we cannot be content. We cannot be content with where we're at in our service towards others. Like we have to grow for our love for others outside of revolution and inside revolution. Um, Our love for one another and our love for others. Um, This is where that Matthew 25 concept comes in that Ryan was talking about. Um, We can't ever stop serving the least among us. We can't ever stop reaching out for them. And that's why that Rev will always have, as long as I'm a pastor here, Rev will always have East End Ministries. Like we're never going to stop doing that ever because we're always wanting to give you guys opportunities to fulfill those commands in Matthew 25 as a group. Um, But at the same time, it's more than that. Um, That bit in Matthew 25 is not just events at a church. Um, I want us to daily be growing uh, in our compassion towards other people, Um, and what I mean by that is like we can't just relegate service to something we do once or twice a month in the East End on Friday with the people at our church. Um, Actually, those are springboards. The whole reason that we do that is uh, to get you in like this mode of serving other people so that whenever you see a need daily, you just say, hey, well, I'm already used to this or hey, like people like aren't that scary and I'm not as socially awkward as I used to be and I can talk to people and love them and, and, and... Tangibly help them. Um, But we want, as a group and as individuals, for us to see a need and meet it. Um, But at the same time, we can't ignore our love for one another in the church. Um, Jesus Christ Himself says, You'll be known as my disciples by your love for each other. Um, And I think that's weighty. We we must be family. And this is something that we've not done that well uh, as a church. We, We can't just be like superficial friends. Right, like if we just meet here once a week and just barely know. Like we're a small church. Like if you barely know everyone's name in your church, which I'm the chief of sinners on that because I'm terrible with my memory. But like, you're no different than like a like a parent teacher organization. Like, hey, how you doing? I see you last month. That's cool. I mean, you're like, you're no different than like the Freemasons that meet together once a week. Um, we have to deeply know one another if we're really going to love one another. We have to be personal. Um, we need to be concerned with one another's spiritual growth. And we have to be close enough and family enough that we can weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice like Paul tells us Christians should do. And that's why small groups are are, are so important. And that's why Rev is never going to stop with small groups. Um, Because if we're going to be brothers and sisters and we're going to be transparent and we're going to pray together and we're going to study together and we're going to confess our sin to one another, we have to be tight. And that's where you meet your family. So that's something that Rev will never stop doing is small groups. Um, and hear me on this. If, if you call this place your home and you're not in a small group, uh, I'm not here to like chastise you and, and beat you down about that. Um, but you'll never feel like this is your home. If you don't get involved, if you don't get involved and start attending small groups or, or service opportunities, you'll never feel like this is your home. You always feel like an outsider because you have no family because you've not taken a step to get to know your family. Um. So you're never going to move past mere acquaintances with people until you begin to actually do life with them. And I want to see us do more life with each other, as cliche as that might sound. It's what I want to see us do. That's, that's another way I want us to grow. Um, but for all those things, those three things that I just mentioned um, that are a part of our vision for what Rev should be, there's one that's more important than all of them. And by more important, I mean that all of those things drive towards one big goal. That we have at Rev. And that's, we want revolution to grow in number. I know what some of you guys are probably thinking. My last name is not Dollar. Uh, I do not have a television show where I want you to give me your money. Um, that's not what we're about. I don't want us to grow in money because I want to get rich or anything like that. Um, and, and I'm not saying that I want us to grow in number because the leadership wants Rev to be a megachurch. church. Uh, no way, because we barely know what we're doing with about a hundred people, so God help us. Uh, we don't want to be a, a, a mega church. Uh, if God blesses us that way, cool. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, just so you know my intentions are clear. I would rather lead a militia of a of, of hundred people who are sold out to the vision of this church that are willing to go out into the darkness of the East End and the surrounding areas and, and, and go and, and minister to people and love people. I'd rather have a militia of a hundred than an army of a lazy thousand. Um, I just want you to know where my heart is on that. Um, But our vision is that Rev would grow in number, not for any of those stupid reasons, but but that we would grow in number because we have been transformed by God's Word. Again, everything goes back to that first thing, taking Scripture seriously. And what I mean by that is that we would be transformed um, in our hearts, that we would see in Scripture God's hatred of sin and be brought to our knees for the people around us. That it would crush us. Like, like, we must become a people who take seriously the wrath of God on those who die apart from faith in Christ. That has to do something to us. Like, this is not just a theological concept for us to talk about. You know, is, is hell really fire? Is hell really... Like, whatever the like, arguments that there might be about hell, like, it is real and people go there. And people are going to end up there if they don't repent and put their faith in Christ. Whatever the specifics are, they'll be damned. By God for eternity. and People we love, our community, family, strangers, whoever, wherever, whatever, all will spend eternity in damnation without Jesus. And that fact has to take a hold of our hearts as individuals and as a church and shake us to our core and do something deep down to us. Like We cannot claim to be Christians who have been transformed and who are growing in godliness and that we truly love people and not be moved by that fact. We can't. You know, Rev must be a group of believers who want to see souls saved. I know that's a a cliche, churchy kind of thing to say, but it's, it's true. That's the main vision for Rev, that we would be obsessed with that, that we would become a group of people who are not content with seeing the same faces in our church building every week that we would be a group of people who are not content with just coming to church every week and just absorbing a sermon and some music, but that we would be people who are consumed with, with seeing people saved from hell by the grace of God. That's what we need to be. That's the vision for this church. And we want to do that because we want to make God's name famous in Portsmouth. That we do this for His glory and the expansion of His kingdom because we want to be faithful to Jesus' great commission that Ryan read to us in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That has to be our heartbeat. But listen to me. That is only going to happen if as a group we become a people who are willing to take the gospel everywhere. And I mean everywhere. This message that Jesus Christ has been crucified for sinners that He's taken the punishment that we deserve in our place. And we would take that everywhere that we go. That we would take this message of Christ crucified for sinners to work and to school and to the, our house and, and to the bar and to the game and to the comic shop and the coffee shop. Wherever it is that we are, that we're always looking for opportunities to guide a conversation into that space. Not because we're trying to sell people Jesus, but because it bothers us to our core that the Scripture speaks plainly that people will go to hell apart from Christ. And we want to see the kingdom grow. It's not just the vision of revolution, but it's the vision of God Himself that we would all be missionaries wherever we are, to every single person that we come in contact with. You know, Paul says, how can they be saved if they never hear? And how can they hear if no one is sent to them? But God has sent us to Him. We're here we're here. That, that, that's plain as day in God's word that he has sent us to them. So for all the things that I just said, all the ways that, that, that we envision revolution growing, the, the question of the hour is, who's with us? That's, that's the real question. Listen, whether or not this is your home church, right? I know some of you guys go to church in Berg and some of you guys go to church um, in, in Portsmouth or wherever it is that you guys are going. Um, are you with us? Whether you're locally here at Revolution or for the global body of believers, are you with us? Right, who's willing to take this vision and run as hard as you can with it and be disciples of, of Jesus? Right, and I know that this... To some of you, this sounds really good, right? Because these are like godly, biblical concepts and and biblical good things to want to grow in. We should want to share the gospel. We should want to put our sin to death. We should hate our sin. We should want to love other people. We should want to be a family. We should want to share the gospel. And this feels good and this sounds really good. And some of you are probably amped. I'm pretty excited. Um, I want to go out and and, and start working. Um, But we must be a committed people if we're going to do this. We have to be committed because times are going to get hard and you're going to fail. And we're going to fail. Together. There are going to be days where you don't want to be committed to scripture Because you don't want to see what's wrong with you And you aren't going to want to be disciplined enough to read the Bible And and you're not going to want to love people And you're not going to want to forgive people And you're not going to want to put your sin to death And you're not going to want to stop doing things that God hates And you're not going to want to start doing things that God loves And you're not going to want to share the gospel I'm just being honest Like I've been a Christian for almost 5 years i am just shooting straight with you You're not going to want to do it Sometimes You must be a committed people to this vision if we're not, and nothing will ever happen. If this is just some stuff that makes us like, feel good and it sounds pretty good on Sunday, we're like, yeah, I agree with that. But like, come Monday, we're not down with the idea anymore. We have to be committed. But here's the thing. Even through all of our failure, we're going to fail. We're going to sin. We're going to be lazy. Um, that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Is that the grace of God in Jesus Christ is given to us for those moments of failure. That God doesn't cast us out whenever we're going to fail as a church. But that He picks us up and says, keep going, keep chasing my vision for you, keep chasing the model that I've given you in Scripture, keep chasing after my Son. There's always grace, and that tells me this, that tells me that we can attempt to be and do everything that God tells us to be and tells us to do in the Bible, and we can do so without fear because there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. We can pursue this vision without fear of failure because our sin has been paid for by Jesus. I hope this is encouraging to you guys. and I got a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I want to finish with. It says, God save us from living in comfort while sinners are sinking into hell. Brethren, do something. Do something. Do something. Too often we discuss and discuss and discuss and Satan laughs in his sleeve. Our one aim is to save sinners and this we are not to talk about but to do in the power of God. This is what we're about. This is the vision. So if you're down with this and and you're still here and some of you that I'm going to see next week, I assume you're down. Whether you're here or whether you're, you're somewhere else. Let's get to work for the glory of God and the salvation of his people. Let's pray. Father, you are you're better to us than we deserve. God, you've called us out of our sin. You brought us to faith in your son. God, I pray that that revolution would would push on and that we would be godlier than we've ever been, and we would be more mission-minded than we've ever been. God, help us to grow in all the ways that you want us to grow. Help us to be conformed to the image of your Son, to never tire in our pursuit of being like you. Help us to imitate you. Help us to love the least of, of these among us. Help us to love one another. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to go out into the darkness of the world around us in Soda County and push it back with love and push it back with the gospel. Holy Spirit, empower us to do everything that you call us to do. Conform us to Christ and help us to be a godly church. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.